Today on Ag News Daily. And so they, they really don't care whether it's made with traceability or, or, or labeling or whether it's GM or it's organic. They just want to eat. Thursday, February 16th, Tanner and Delaney hanging out, bringing you some news headlines. Delaney, how you doing back there in Iowa? Uh, well, it's supposed to snow and be icy this morning, but as I look out my window, maybe a little icy, but no snow yet, Tanner. So I'm not sure if we're going to get it like they've been calling for. Well, I did get a text alert this morning saying that my kids have a two hour delay for school. So it must be something going on back there. We were almost 70 degrees yesterday here in Louisville, Louisville, as we are learning <laughs> how to pronounce that down here at the National Farm Machinery Show. And I can say that I don't think I've seen that many people all in one spot at one time. Yesterday was a very well attended day. Well, tell us what you have been seeing or what is the most memorable thing that stuck out to you? Uh, it's just probably for anybody that has never been, it's just the sheer size and scope. You know, last year we was not able to see the entire show and we made it into the West wing started in the Southeast corner, all the way to the West wing. And it is just packed with vendors. Um, but no, it's it's fun. We're parked up right next to the Agco booth, which is celebrating 100 years of Gleaner. So they're putting on a heck of a show throughout the day to entertain people. But they've also got their new fence sprayer uh, with Y drop set up. That was an impressive one for us to look at. I love their fence equipment that's painted all black. I think it just looks super sleek. Yes, I would. Uh, I would agree. Of course, they've got their ideal combine too. So no, it's a it's a fun booth to be next to and drool and uh, only wonder someday <laughs> if if you get the opportunity to run those but i just was looking here quick delaney national weather service has still got a lot of snowstorm warnings in place from northern kansas up through nebraska into the dakotas some areas could see another five to eight inches of snow on top of what is already fallen on the ground iowa like you said it's across the board two to eight depending upon where you're at Snow will be widespread and deeper over southern and south central Iowa. Peak snowfall rates will hit between 7 and 11 this morning. So it might be coming your way now, Delaney. Well, I'll be waiting for it, Tanner. Yeah. Another little quick headline that I've got is each week we check up on ethanol production. Ethanol production did climb back over a million barrels per day this last week at 1,000,014. But that also jumped our inventories to the highest level since April 1st of last year, now sitting at 24.417 million barrels. Well, Tanner, in other news here, somewhat related to exports, uh, if USDA comes, estimates come to fruition, Brazil will be the top king this year when it comes to the world's largest corn exporter. Brazil and China have recently reached a deal on phytosanitary requirements for corn. And the first load of Brazilian corn was shipped out back in November. And even though China was only Brazil's 11th largest customer, 
it was enough to boost Brazilian exports to a record 48 million metric tons for the 21-22 crop year. And now for the next 22-23 crop year, Tanner, analysts are expecting Brazil to sell quite a bit more, maybe six to 10 million metric additional tons of corn to China alone this year. Brazil is expected, as we know, to have a very monstrous crop. Where that crop is going to go is the big question mark, but a lot of folks are suggesting it's going to go beyond their borders and likely going to China. And if we do see that happen, China is going to buy a good chunk of their corn needs from Brazil, probably leaving the U.S. in the dust and Brazil leaving the U.S. in the dust when it comes to total exports sent. So could be an interesting year to see how some of these dynamics play out on the uh, on the global market. But the big question is just, you know, what do they what do we see have happened here for the Safrina second corn crop? That is the one that is about to go in the ground, Tanner. And that is the crop, actually, that about maybe 75 percent of their exports actually come from that Safrina crop. So the first crop they produce, they usually keep for domestic consumption. And that Safrina crop is the one that is typically exported beyond their borders. And as we know, southern Brazil and uh, parts of Argentina are obviously very, very dry. So it could be an interesting year for this Safrina crop. But a lot of factors at play here for Brazil, probably a lot of pressure for them as well. Yeah, I would agree. But Brazil right now is staying clean, at least from bird flu cases. But the rest of South America is struggling. Alarm bells are now dinging, says this article in Brazil, as they still remain free of the contagion. However, a lot of their neighbors are not. Argentina and Uruguay confirmed more cases yesterday. The press conference stated that this is a global sanitary hazard and the Brazilian agricultural minister is saying that he will do what he can to bolster measures to prevent outbreaks coming from the world's biggest chicken exporter. So adding that to the tally of exports for you, Delaney, until now, bird flu cases have been found on farms in Bolivia, which borders Brazil and in Peru and Ecuador. Uh, on Wednesday, these cases in wild birds were confirmed in Uruguay and Argentina. So no commercial flocks in those two areas yet. But this is a national health emergency, uh, according to their sources. The suspected cases will occur starting with wild birds migrating up and down the Rio Grande. So uh that is a little bit of an update from there. I was trying to squeeze a little bit more out of this article, but it doesn't come to name how many birds have currently been affected in those infection outbreaks. So we'll keep an eye on that and see if we can update our listeners from here. One thing we can update our listeners on is the port traffic that we have seen really pick up in the port of Savannah due to issues, especially in uh, southern ports of New Orleans and western ports in the California area. The port of Savannah has really jumped as far as handling a good lion's share of our nation's exports. The loaded container exports grew 21% in January and has officially been deemed the nation's busiest port for U.S. goods, handling some 110,000 
20 foot equivalent container units of exports, which is a pretty large increase, about 19,000 in total. Compared to pre-pandemic numbers, the port of Savannah's or the port of Savannah showed in January that they did some 421,000 ports. And in total, cargo showed 11.7% improvement over January of 2020. So while we're still seeing the port of Savannah jump to higher numbers than they were in uh, some of the pandemic times, they have a large way to go until they meet back to pre-pandemic levels. And I think that's really been the case across all of the different ports that we've seen here in the United States, Tanner. But all in all, uh, U.S. exports have been a bright spot, especially in that Georgia port. Yeah, I was trying to think of who I had the conversation with yesterday about port levels of traffic before and or during COVID. I'll have to try and circle that background in my memory, but uh, did see here we have new updates on livestock profit tracking figures. Cattle feeders found an average of profit of $89 per head in the week ending February 11th. That's an improvement of about $30 a head from the previous report. Cattle feeding margins for feeder cattle were up to $60 per head about a improvement of $45 per slot. Beef packers got estimated profits up to $29 per head. Unfortunately, that is nearly $20 off the measures coming out of the last report. Fro to finish hog producers saw losses of $12 per head. That is about $9 per head less than the previous week. So positive trend there for pork producers. Uh, as you look at uh, those who finished, pork producers saw positive margins of around $47 per head. That is a slight improvement from the week before. However, pork, pork packers are still seeing losses. That is $6 per head, an improvement of 10. So it looks like according to the report comparisons Delaney on the livestock fittings, pork was headed in the right direction to remain back above zero for some profitability measures and some cattle producers might be feeling the squeeze currently as their profits dropped just a little bit. I have a quick update here on a story I reported on yesterday related to Mexico's announcement that they will now allow GM corn for animal feed and industrial use. The U.S. has officially responded and the comments were not great. U.S. said that they are, quote, disappointed in Mexico's new GMO corn decree. This is according to Secretary Vilsack. They didn't offer much more comment outside of that. The U.S. Trade Representative's office would not respond for a comment. But all in all, Vilsack said that he's still very upset. This doesn't do much to move forward as far as the bilateral trade agreements go. And the U.S. believes in science-based, rules-based trading systems. And Mexico is certainly just not following either of those two pieces. So he said they're still continuing to review the decree with the U.S. Trade Representative's office, and they will be going back to the table with Mexico, it sounds like. Yeah, you knew there was going to be a little bit of extra there. I'm glad that you provided that update. The last little piece I have today is a bill that's advancing through the Iowa House out of committee. It would make it legal and a common practice among farmers 
to kill without state approval animals that are harming their crops, livestock, or machinery. The House File 118 would allow farmers to trap and kill wild animals such as groundhogs, possums, raccoons, and skunks without first contacting the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. The reason, Delaney, that this is going through is a couple of legislatures are stating that they're looking to make honest folks out of all of our farmers who have been personally dealing with these nuances or these nuisances for quite some time. The in quote says a lot of farmers deal with these animals proactively already and don't realize that they are breaking the law without getting state permission because there's a culture of breaking the rules. We should change the law was exactly the quotes that come out of the house yesterday. So we'll continue to watch this, but thought that was quite an interesting way to take an approach. This bill would help put farmers back in the right side of the law, even though there's very little persecution as things currently sit. But that's the last update I've got for today, Delaney. Well, the right to repair certainly has some headlines that they are making today as the Department of Justice is weighing in on a right to repair court case. A filing on Tuesday by the Department of Justice urged a federal court in Illinois not to throw out a class action lawsuit that consolidated several farmers lawsuits against John Deere over right to repair restrictions. The Department of Justice said that these farmers could face higher repair costs due to the restrictions on repairing their equipment. And that this case was very similar to a case that happened back in 1992, where the U.S. Supreme Court found Kodak copy machines in um, restriction access to their independent repair shops being able to replace parts individually or independently. So the Department of Justice really didn't give an indication of whether or not they thought the farmers would be successful in their suit. They're just urging the Illinois courts not to throw this suit out and to allow it to go through legislation. Uh, Tanner, this is, of course, after very recently, we saw at the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Deere signed a memorandum of understanding with AFBF that recommitted themselves to allowing farmers to have access to those tools. So I don't know how all those factors fit together as of right now. Yeah, that uh, will certainly be one for us to keep an eye on. I figured you when you started reading that it was going to provide a little bit more direction for us. It didn't, unfortunately, as of yet, but uh, probably not a good look for John Deere if they get sued right after they have a nice memorandum that uh, shares their path forward. No, you're right. So all I've got, like I said, headlines are done for me. How did markets look today? Markets are a little lower here in the overnight as we head into the opening session. New crop corn down a penny at 594 and a quarter. New crop soybeans down a penny and a half at 1373 and a half. And in wheat, really the only market here trading higher in the overnights, up two and a quarter cent in the March contract at 896 and three quarters. As we kick things over into the livestock markets here, seeing some mixed trade as the April live cattle contract is down seven pennies at a buck 64.60. March feeder cattle up 67 and a half cents will open at a dollar 87.32. And April lean hawks will open this morning at 
50. Tanner, without further ado, let's kick it over to part two of that farmer panel from last week in Argentina. Pia, a question for you. Obviously, the drought down here, we've gotten to see it. Farmers have gotten to see it all week as we've been touring around different Argentinian farms. But what's your assessment of the drought and how do you think it's going to impact total soybean and corn production? Well, I think that um, uh, the government here in my country uh, it doesn't take the, the right uh, result that we will have in a couple of months, you know, because we have a half and a, the harvest of wheat, and we will have, I don't know if half, but uh, perhaps in some areas less than half, and um, the, the crops are very late for the, this moment, so it's difficult to, to know today which will be the situation in a couple of months, but um, uh, of course, I, I fully agree with co uh, patient that uh, we have we are better than the condition because uh, in spite of the condition because of the no-till farming and all the tools that uh, science give us. That's why, for example, I'm I, I'm I'm very concerned about governments like Mexico that is interrupting the use of GMOs. You know because it is a great tool. The same happened in Africa. A lot of countries cannot use that uh, technologies and I think that uh, the only things that uh, it is nice uh, that, uh, for the drug that we are living here in Argentina is to show how, import how important is science, how important are the tools inside the system and in system uh, maintained in the long term. And the other problem is financial. Uh, you know, we don't have financial tools here in my country. Also, we have a lack of insurance. So um, it will it will be na it will be a difficult year for farmers here in Argentina 2023. And because farmers in Argentina don't have access to some of the same financial tools that we have in the United States, such as crop insurance, what happens in scenarios like this where we're going to see a large drought and potentially a lot of crop failure? You know, we are we are based on a, in a strong private network where sellers, companies, farmers, cooperatives, we are trying to look for the best tools in order to finance each other. But we don't know, we don't have public help and uh, we don't uh, can't imagine to, to make a plan with the government. Uh, also thinking about taxes, you know, we have a high level of taxes here in Argentina and government want the, that uh, money is in, instead of, of being this situation. <laughs> One more follow-up question yeah. for you. The low river levels that we saw the other day when we were at the Rosario Grain Exchange um, is in the Paraná River is one of the most important areas for barge traffic. Has barge traffic been impacted this year by those low water levels? Uh -huh. It was impacted. It was impacted um, last year. Uh, we were suffering a lot because we were expecting that we couldn't be able to transport our production. But um, hopefully, uh, not hopefully, uh, since uh, 
trains on Brazil and Paraguay give us more uh, more water for the river. So today we don't have uh, we don't have any travel for transportation. You were there. You see. You saw that that we are in a in a low level, as you said. But it is not problem for the transportation. We hope that we are ending the third uh, girl in my country, so we hope to have the normal rains uh, as soon as possible. Marcus, earlier you mentioned the Green New Deal, which is obviously very impactful for <coughs> European farmers. Why would U.S. farmers care about the Green Deal, and how could that potentially impact them? Um, yeah, that's that's. It's not only um, the U.S. farmers. Yeah, the U.S. farmers because of the direct uh, um, deals with with German, with Germany or with Europe. Um, I think it impacts around the world, and it's it's very impact um, for for poor countries um, because um, when we produce in in Europe um, less, so that's that it would become because um, when we reduce 50% of um, the pesticides and changing um, conventional farmers, yeah, farms to organic farmers um, on a very good soil in an area with a lot of rain, it's totally stupid. So, and Europe is rich. We have money. So that's no problem. In, in, in Europe, there's, it's nobody cares about his food the next day. Um, and that's a problem because we will buy the food from, from, from other countries, from our areas. So, um, and that's the reason why the poor people get the problems, or poor countries get the problems. Mm -hmm. So that's, I don't understand that. And in, in a moment where we see what's happened um, with the Ukrainian war, this impact on, on, the, um, on the food security, and then we go with the with Green Deal the, the same way, that's, for me, it's, it's, I can't understand that. And um, yes, that would be a big impact for farmers around the world. Guillermo, do you have to deal with a lot of corruption when it comes to relationship of government and agriculture? And additionally, is it difficult to purchase additional farmland? Yes, the legislation in Mexico is is tough about the the land owning. To get the farms bigger is, is not an easy issue. We we have an owner scheme of property, or call it ejido, uh, in I think in 1992, uh, have some changes uh, to to that that people who who have get ministered with with about two or three hectares can sell that that land. Um, that, that's a, it's really really difficult because they they are uh, they have the the. The owning in in community about if if some a wheel uh, is destination for 50 hectares uh, there there are 
25 owners so they they, they have to go to to uh, to a session with all all of, of the of the hido of of the of the participant of that wheel of, of that community and take an and some uh, votes and and need need the majority of, of the votes to sell that that land uh, and get to the to the lawyers and stuff like that is 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 not is not easy possible but 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 not easy and uh, so you are right and there are a lot of corruption in, in any in, in in any steps of the of the uh, bureaucracy so uh, it's possible but but you, you you can to deal with a lot of things patients another question for you to what extent if any has china been involved in agricultural development in your part of africa um not not a lot so we see more of infrastructure so uh, we have rails being built by China, airports, and so on. Uh, not much in agriculture yet. Um, as of now, it's mostly infrastructure. When you travel around the world and you see farms probably are much larger than what is available or uh, what is happening in Western Europe, do you feel that you're at a disadvantage on the global stage? And this has to do, I suppose, with the way uh, the European Union has set up its uh, agricultural uh, regulations. Um, yeah, in, in, in Germany, we have a lot of different farms. From, from the south, very, very small farms uh, with a few hectares and a little bit of livestock farming. And um, more to the north, um, the farms were, are bigger, uh, mostly with livestock farming. Um, and when you get a little bit more to the east or uh, directly to the north, Schleswig-Holsteins are very big farms. Their farms are bigger than in the USA. We have a lot of farms with 5,000 or more than 10,000 hectares. So um, yeah, it's, it's very different. Um, the same is in, uh, <coughs> in Denmark or um, in France. So um, when, when, when I'm traveling um, in the last years, I have seen a lot of different, different farms with different sites. Um, but it's what's interesting that a lot of the, the challenges are the same. So um, mostly they um, are in the biggest impact on the mice is, is, is with politicians um, and with journalists. So in, in, in Europe, um, I think that depends on, on the money the, the people have. Um, nobody um, cares about food because everybody can go to every time to the supermarket and can buy everything. That's that, no time that is, that's, that's something lost in, in the supermarket. Every time, everything from around the world. So. Um, and it comes pretty interesting with the politicians to make more and more about organic farming, animal welfare, um, and so on. But nobody would pay for that. That's 
at the moment our biggest problem. So here's a good follow-up question for everyone. In the United States, there's a lot of interest by consumers about where the food come from, who's raising it, how it's raised, what country it's coming from. Are consumers in each of your countries also showing that kind of interest to know where their food is coming from? Um, yes, they are asking for. Um, it comes to be very interesting buying local, um, but nobody um, says what is local. So um, buying local, but uh, they are, would be by uh, avocado, but that's not local for Germany. No chance. Um, that's something that's very stupid. And um, now with the with the uh, Ukrainian war, the prices in the supermarket growing up for for food, and now you see okay organic no the conventional is okay uh, the next time animal welfare yeah it's nice but it's it's too expensive and uh, the same happens now with with local um where is, is there um in a supermarket uh, steak from from germany and if the steak from argentina or spain is cheaper then it would be by that, or not local from, from the farmers. So I think, yes, the people are interested in that, and they want that, but they want to not to pay for that. Patience, what, what is it like in Nigeria? Uh, totally different. So the consumer just wants to be able to get food and get it at a good price, affordable price, and so they, they really don't care where, where, I mean, where traceability or... Or, or labeling, or whether it's GM or it's organic, they just want to eat. So I think, for me, that is a, um, a surplus problem. So it's where, where, where consumers have enough food to eat, then they bother about um, the little details. I mean, we go to hospital and we, we get medication, and we don't care where the, what the, where the doctor or the medicine comes from. We just want to get well, so I think, for, for most people in Africa, it's definitely not a question that's been asked. Uh, it is an increasing demand in my country, but you know, uh, it is incredible because my country has the conditions to produce for more than 10 as we have our population. And in spite of that, half of, yes, half of our population is under poverty. And, they cannot buy every day, as Marcus say in Germany, uh, the, the food that they want. So in this moment, they need to, to buy the food. But uh, it is an increase. And we are preparing. Uh, in the, we are preparing not only farmers, also the whole chain. We have to have more agreement on how to do that. But it is uh, an increase demand. Again, another interesting perspective that you were able to sit in on, and I'm glad that we get to share that with our listeners. I am as well, Tanner. And we've got one more part to that conversation. I think that will air tomorrow, as well as some great conversations we've already lined up for our listeners for next week. Absolutely. But for today, what do you say? Do we let them go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.